wobbly avoided, I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 28, or episode 3 of season 2 of I Understood That Reference. Welcome. Welcome. We're delighted to be here. Alive and well. And more than that, having a great time. Exactly. Remarkably. Making making the best of it. Oh, you have to in these situations. You have to, is right. Like we were saying last time, it's not so good lately in the world, but look, just try and, you know stay at home and stay safe and keep the old spirits up we'll, we'll mm. keep a company for a while it's certainly testing how uh, agile we are um as a pairing because i feel like because uh all the movie news is down the down the toilet and um, we've had to maybe migrate a little bit to like just more tv more video games but that's not a bad thing we just had a huge chuckle and a guffaw over some fantastic parks and rec moments that in hindsight we should have recorded <laughs> Never there <laughs> private moments between you and me, Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was actually thinking about this whole thing, by the way, uh, the whole okay. social distancing thing. Oh, you've been thinking? Oh, well, I know. It's not a good sign. It's never Dangerous. a good sign when I do that. <laughs> but um, everybody's talking about, I see online on Twitter, a lot of people talking about recording separately. And you see a lot of TV shows like Ellen and stuff like that are doing like you know, recordings from home and they're trying yeah, to get remarkable. And I'm like, we've been doing this. The whole time you're in London. This is our bread and butter. You know, we're ahead of the game. Yeah, I I think it would have been great if, like, you know, maybe Jimmy Fallon and his team, like, hired us, you know, paid us a load of dosh just to tell him how to get it working. But I guess they figured it out, which is real kick in the balls. If Jimmy Fallon had tried to do that, I would spit in his face. Me and my friend came (laughs) up with a formal Friday, and turns out Jimmy Fallon already had a hashtag started about it. And because it's America, it's like formal Friday, as in like prom get up, as opposed to. Oh, like tuxedos and yeah, exactly. and gummy bears, that kind of thing. Yeah, not like our just wearing a little bit nicer shirts than usual. <laughs> nice shirts, no pants. That's Formal oh. Fridays in Ireland. <laughs> well, that's Formal Fridays, what I've been doing so far, so... Uh, it's Formal Friday night, if anything, when the, bo- <laughs> when the boys get together. Good God. Uh, Rob, how are you? How, how, how have you been? Any crack? What have you been up to? You know, things like that. Uh, nothing too exciting, man. Just, you know, taking it day by day. Uh, it's strange, you know, being... Like it's the the days really run together, and I'm all out of the sorts now because we had our Easter weekend, both you know here in London, and obviously it's the same in Ireland. The that glorious Friday and Monday off, but honestly, I do not know what day of the week it is now, because everything is the same, nothing has changed. I haven't left the house. What's going on? I mean, apparently tomorrow is Thursday, which is just mad. She's crazy. Feels like a Tuesday. Like it, tomorrow would be Tuesday. <laughs> d- 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 that what? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think you're drinking a tea, Rob. Would I be correct in thinking? Yes. Um, it's actually a little bit. Uh, it's, it's, it's you know tensions are high at the moment in the house because um we had an emergency Amazon delivery of Barry's tea delivered um maybe about you know three or four weeks ago. Um, this is before the lockdown, the extended lockdown kicked in. As you can imagine, we've significantly damaged the contents of that uh, Barry's tea. We we are almost depleted. Oh, in that <laughs> yes. I was not waiting until you finished before I got No, you out. had that joke brewing, so you did. You crapped hey. Hey, there you go. Yeah, no, so I, I need to, we need to make sure that that um, is restocked ASAP. There's only about five cups of tea left in that. And let me tell you, the last tea bag will be a battle to the death. Um, where am I going with this? <laughs> what am I talking about here? This is your confession, right? This is yeah, this your is, own tape. That's what forgive you're me, Father, for I have sinned. 
I drank the last tea. How many Hail Marys is that? I mean, a lot, I would imagine. And look, yeah, it's, yes. it's, you know, drinking tea, priests would love that. Um, I'm currently having... Uh, among other things. We're not going to go there. Oh, Jesus God. It's happened again. We haven't been in the Merkin of Wild, so we should probably welcome it back. Go back. I'm having a drink called Weights and Measures. It's a session IPA from the Galway Bay Brewery. Oh, lovely. It is delicious. It's only like 3%. So, you can, you know, it's nice. It's not too heavy. It's actually ridiculously light. But it is Just a little supping, a little supping in the evening during yeah. the podcast recording. Makes, a little, makes recording nice and, and light and bubbly, just, just, just like the beer. Oh, um, just before we, we move on and jump into stuff, can I just do one really, really quick thing? Yeah. Because I promised I would. Okay. There's a friend of mine, friend of the show, called Tom Brown Lawler. Um, and he listens to every episode to be fair to him and he tells loads of people about it <laughs> which is really cool and it was his birthday recently so I just wanted to say happy birthday man because I know he will listen to this so there you go What's his, what was his full name there Tom uh, Tom Brown Lawler Tom Brown so remarkably just a slight deviation from Tom uh, Vaughn Lawler does that name ring a bell Tom Vaughn Lawler when you said it at first I was like yes I do know that name but I'm going to be honest I don't know who that is <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, that is the actor who plays Nidge on the critically acclaimed Love Hate. Yes, it is. The guy who's in Avengers and stuff. Exactly. The guy more relevant to this podcast, uh, the guy who plays the evil wizard man in Infinity War, mostly, and a little bit in Endgame as well. Is it. It's like Gov. Something. McGraw. Something. Gaw. McGaw. Something. I mean, I should. I should. Ebony Maw. Ebony Maw. Ah, I was about to I, say, I should know. Who all I could hear in my head was Tim McGraw. And I was like, I don't think Tim McGraw is in the Avengers as a villain. The, Although. The, the penultimate villains for the Avengers. Tim <laughs> McGraw. What? Yeah, yeah. Taking country back. Nice. Taking the country back. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, that's the Avengers film planned. Don't worry, Marvel. We're here if you need us. Uh, yeah, well, well, happy birthday, Tom. Thanks for listening and promoting us. Yeah, yeah. Sesh Ledge. He is, to be fair. He, he is a Sesh uh, Ledge. Yeah, I got that impression. Anybody in fr- Carlo. Yeah, he was a friend of yours. <laughs> <laughs> excellent okay, so now we're done let's move on into the show Rob do you want to go first or shall I well question for you Ross I was wondering do we want to kick things off with the uh, this you know this new segment we've been dabbling with that I still don't know what it is but we're going to go with it anyway um, and just for the folks who are listening this is just a temporary replacement for the reference game while you know times are strange we're trying to think, keep things a little bit more light and bantery and uh, completely directionless in these episodes at the moment <laughs> So yeah, not like usual, huh? Yeah, <laughs> this episode is this season segment is called uh, "Hey Ross, Hey Ross, Look at These." So Ross, I sent you a clip uh, earlier this evening. Care to describe it to us? What are your thoughts, concerns, questions, feedback, comments? <laughs> okay, you sound like a message board on the internet or something there. Or yeah, I know. Well, that's what I am. Live tweet. So the video you sent me uh, is just called Three Amigos Movie Clip." Look up here, which is close to the name of the segment, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've seen The Three Amigos before. It's one of those films where people people will have seen it regardless of whether they can remember or not. It's like one of those mm. films you watch as a kid. It's always on the background, but it's a good one. It's always on RTE, like at certain times during the year. Inexplicably, it's just on all the time. So you will have seen at least some of it. It's listeners. one of those ones you don't seek out, but you should watch it when it's on because it is one of those ones that's surprisingly yeah. funny. Directed by John Landis, of course, who does like lots of uh, Blues Brothers, lots of kind of 80s, famous 80s films, uh, coming to America, trading places, things like that. But um, in this scene, it's really simple and it's I really like this scene because it's so 
basic, simple, but it just goes to show you when like comedians and, and like really kind of funny actors actually have the chops to pull simple scenes off properly. So it's just Steve Martin, Martin Short and Chevy Chase talking about how they got a, a, a message from a guy called El Guapo, who is infamous and obviously kind of being idiots. They're, they don't know <laughs> that infamous means something not good. And they're like, what does what does infamous mean? No, well, it means they're so famous they're infamous. And it's like, oh yeah, he, he is infamous after all. So there's that kind of misunderstanding. But then it leads into this great part where they're trying to break into a set to get their yes. old costumes back. The Amigos costumes. Yeah, and it's such a simple scene. It's just Steve Martin doing that thing they always do in films when he's like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a message. I'll, I'll shout and you'll know what it is when I get in there. So he's climbing the wall. The two other guys are just kind of crouched, hunched over, waiting for him. And when he gets overhead, he kind of goes like, you know, caw, caw, caw. and they don't look. And he's like, caw, 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 caw. you know, getting more and more obvious with his sounds. Till eventually he's just saying like, up here, I'm up here, I'm up here, I'm up here. And it's just it's just more and more comedic <laughs> as it goes on. And again, that, that presence that a really good comic actor brings. And it's just so simple and so yeah. effective. I really love it. It's that kind of thing where it's built around the co- the actor um, specifically. So like that is just bread and butter for Steve Martin. That kind of really kind of animated sort of those body movements. Because it starts off, I just love how it builds. The idea is that they have a signal that's as simple as like a whistle. So he just starts whistling and then it like graduates over the course of a minute to guys lie up here. But I love he moves it's into it. Oh, amazing. Up here. Up here. Up, up here. Look up. up. Here. It's, it's so good and so natural. And like you said, so built to Steve Martin's range. Yeah. But it just, it, the reason I kind of, I picked that clip because it kind of, it's like, it kind of lends itself to, I think stuff we've kind of sort of, sort of dabbled on before this idea of, visual comedy being used less creatively these days and it's just you know generic cuts to like lame jokes to you know panning shots like very it's all you know out of out of stock that they've just stitched stuff together whereas when you use that when you think of how the geography that shot works you think steve martin is in a completely different place you let him do all his animated stuff you're like wow these guys was be far away the whole time the two actors he's you know chevy and martin short are right below him so even if they didn't know what the signal was, they should have heard him anyway. But they only revealed yeah, that they at the very end. So the payoff, like, yeah. the payoff is fantastic. Which, like, that's just that eighties comedy charm that you just do not get. I think as much anymore, if at all. I think one of the few kind of directors who really maintains visual comedy consistently and creatively is uh, uh, Edgar Wright of Cornetto trilogy fame. Oh, of our our old our old nemesis, our old nemesis, that bastard. We'll get him. Oh, we'll get him. Mark my words. I'll go back and change the timeline so he actually did direct X Men First Class. <laughs> that class of comedy. But no, I get, but, I get exactly what you're saying. That, that, that even the, the kind of visual style, the, the cinematography is so simple, so so easy, but it's so funny. Like and that's it, just how simple and effective you can do something without having to resort to an overabundance of dialogue or kind of wackiness it's just simple comedy playing to the strengths of the guys that are there because there's even that like a great sense of to give you a sense of what that movie is like is at the very start of the clip that i sent just a guy just suddenly appears on a bike just yeah, perfectly yes. like parallel with the camera and just the way it's framed and the way he appears with the envelope to pre- present to the guys that in itself is very funny so it's just 
they put thought into like how it wanted they wanted to look as well as how the jokes would pay off, which is great. You love to see. One of the guys named Chevy Chase's name is Dusty Bottom, I think, in it, and it's which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and and Martin Short's called Ned Nederson. So. Oh my god! Highly encourage people to rewatch this because you've definitely already seen it before. So just rewatch it. Yeah, look, it's one of those really easy kind of chill, just sit back and watch films. But it's one like Groundhog Day that every time I go back and watch it now, I'm like. That, that film is definitely better than I remember it when yeah. I was young, which is oh, yeah, good, yeah. which is only a good thing. I agree. As I said, I'll put up the clip because I usually do. I'll put up the clip online so people can have a look mm, at it. People can definitely enjoy watch it. it and definitely watch the film. Super. Well, thanks for that. I enjoyed your insight, your uh, your articulation, your um, your candor. Off you go. I mean, no problem. I really <laughs> like that segment. You know that? Because uh, I actually like watching old scenes I've seen before and kind of... Yeah even kind of like it just goes to show how quickly you can tell the distinction between a good scene and a bad scene because i mean as soon as i saw that bohemian rhapsody one last week i mean i just was like oh jesus yeah it was impossible to get past how bad it is compared to how superior this 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 one was yeah because it was funny is that this was supposed to be about like terrible scenes and hopefully it will be for the most part but i I realized to give people context as to something that's good it'd be nice to pepper in so that people can actually also just enjoy, as opposed to being like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> Not another struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, a bit of contrast to the, the banality of that Bohemian Rhapsody clip last week. Okay, um, I guess with that done, I'm going to jump into a little bit of a big topic. A little bit of something yeah. big. I mean, it's not huge, but I, it depends on how much <laughs> you have to say about it, I guess. Ah, uh, Jesus. <laughs> right, so, this we talked a little bit about it last week, but I'm going to come at it from a very different angle this week, because there's a little bit of news attached to it as well. Um, me okay. and Rob have not discussed this beforehand, so this is I'm literally catching him completely on oh, the hop right now. This is a mystery topic, is it? Mystery on the hop. Oh, mystery on the hop. Uh, I was Easter after all, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the Final Fantasy VII remake and the Resident Evil 3 remake were released just last week. Alongside oh, this, hot off the presses, the Resident Evil 4 remake has now been confirmed. Oh, my. this is amazing. We literally talked about this two weeks ago, about yep. how this is going to happen. That's not even what I want to get to opinions on. I mean, I have my own opinions on that as in... Oh, I bet you do. That game is so new that it doesn't need to be remade. Like, is it going to get to the stage where they're remaking Resident Evil games from three years ago? Anyway, that's luck. That's for another time, maybe. But what I wanted to get your opinion on, Rob, was weird enough, I was watching... Have you ever seen Impractical Jokers? Uh, Yeah, I've clips of it here and there. I'm not a huge fan. That, that's fine. That's look. I think it's a pretty pretty easy watch. Not a lot. It's, some of it's terrible. Some of it's brilliant. That's my take. But mm. I was watching it the other day. A really new episode, and All right. it's really awful compared to what it used to be. Because you can tell the guys know they're popular and they know people like them, so they're really playing it up. And it's just ugh, didn't like it. But it made me think of this whole remake debate, and then like a show going on really long or something going on really long, and like how people have to play up to characters and play up to expectations. Like, do you think? that a remake do you think they could ever really be successful because they have so many things like when i was playing the ff7 remake demo there's parts in it that would only be relevant and would only make sense if you've played the original so it's already playing up to your you know your impressions of the original but then is it not pointless because if you played the original why would you need to remake kind of thing hmm that's a pretty complex question well, we're getting into it today. I guess the, 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 the basic question I will ask then is, do you think like a remake such as these could ever be truly successful? Yeah, they can be because they have the 
prestige and the nostalgia to just like successful from a revenue standpoint yes they'll make stu- they'll make studios and development houses money that is guaranteed because they have all that legacy behind them whether they're successful from a critical standpoint i it's look i i kept a pulse on like the metacritic scores and like the general kind of reviews of ff7 the remake and it seems like because they mixed it up enough and sort of sort of built out the first kind of section of the game to keep it i guess more novel than and more detailed and more kind of expansive than it has been in the original they tried to with it's weird it's like they have this mold for final fantasy 7 so they can't drift outside those lines those coloring lines right because that's the story that's the game all right okay well let's zoom in and expand this particular section and build the game exclusively around that and change things like uh, mechanics uh, gameplay um add uh, more levels and layers to the stories and then people will feel like you know if old fans will feel like this is uh yeah this is the game i remember from before but something new that i can enjoy and then i guess the logic is that newcomers don't need to be interrupted by the old stuff because there's so much new stuff going on as well i think that's the key to success is striking that balance between appeasing as best you can the original fans because they ultimately probably are your main target but then also making sure that it's successful enough for new folks to jump on a a pleasing one might say so like you're pleasing newcomers and appeasing old fans peas and please that's the remake strategy, I would say, that they've adopted. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting because you know people um, have such high expectations, and gamers are ruthless. Jesus, they're fucking ruthless when it comes to you know how they feel about these things. So, if the like to your point, we don't know this before. Like, if you don't change it enough, then it, you've just you've just upped the graphics, made it look a little fancy, but you've done nothing new. So what's then? What is the point? That's really only servicing fans but i suppose you could argue you could get away with that if the game truly is great and it has aged well um a good example of that would be that uncharted trilogy i said before first game has not aged well but the other two actually are like playable like they're just good adventure stories so they haven't time hasn't affected them too much but they were only made a, a decade ago so you know they had age on their side a little bit there and that's what makes me think of the resident evil 4 one i mean that game is universally loved and it's not that old, and the gameplay still informs and holds up against most modern action shooters today. So, like, why? I know money, obviously, that's why. But like, do we need to remake those kind of games? Is that is that where we are now? Well, people will buy them, and I guess they feel like people want them as well. That's their justification for it. Publicly, <laughs> they're just like, "Oh, people want us to remake these," and like. Once they once the, the two was as much of a success as it was going to be, they're like, "Oh my god, we were making all of these." And actually, what's interesting because they're releasing them literally less than a year apart each time, you can be sure that they've had these cooking for years, and they've just been systematically preparing, you know, staggered releases. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Once they decided on one being remade, they were like, "Sure, feck it, let's do the whole series." Up until the point where it catches up on itself, and the remix actually become the new games, and the new games become the remix. It's a weird twist. Yeah, yeah, they have to release a remake before the original. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying something new here, guys. Yeah, this is the remake, even though the original isn't out yet. And it will there will be a point where like it crosses over, so they'll release two of the exact same game at the same time because it will have caught up on itself. It's gonna be amazing. This one's a special edition. Yeah, the special yeah. edition remake. Special but you remake. have to have played the original to to play it. It's just a burnt disc. It's just a copy of the, the the original game. It's just a disc with a big middle finger on it, like <laughs> just sticking up right in your face. Perfect. 
when I saw Resident Evil 4 got confirmed, I'm like, come on, lads. You're now four games uh, deep into remakes. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, pretty quick. far in. It's very quick. I'll give you that. Now, my second part of this debate, you actually <laughs> touched upon it there. Okay. Did I? Um, you did. And I was about to cut you off and say, you bastard, hold on. But I did. Oh. So you, you, you kind of said you looked at a few of the Final Fantasy VII remake reviews. Ah. I've had a look at them as well, and the scores are pretty high for it. Yeah. But if you read the actual reviews, they don't really sound very positive, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Uh, and again, I think we kind of touched upon this a long time ago on this podcast. But can you trust reviews at all anymore? Is there such a disparity between what the written review says and what the end score is? And is there so much you have to unpack? Because like reading the language used and the way people talk about that Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm like, these people definitely don't love this game. But there's obviously, that's such a big game, such a big tentpole thing that people might be just that little bit afraid to say that. Yeah, I think what's funny is, uh, I think a good example of that um, is IGN obviously are always lambasted for reviews more often than it, regardless of whether or not it's like well written or you know whether it's fair fan you know gamers quickly band together and they shit all over it and i think it's funny because the ign review was the one i think i liked the most or the one i felt was the most informative i thought it was reasonably fair <laughs> and what's and i just brought up this amazing point so you, your argument here is is that oh well can you really tr- trust the reviewers because you know they're they're too afraid to like make you know a significant call or really criticize something well on the flip side i would argue fans are complaining about reviews for games they haven't even played so like it's just this weird battle from people who are too afraid to make guess make the ultimate call to service people who might not even buy the game in the first place but are just <laughs> it's this insane battle that exists um i'm just looking through the comments here never forget by the way ign too much water <laughs> yeah that's what really set them over the edge uh, let me see ign really great game just had a lot of filler fans do you want to die this kind of stuff is what's going on. Good, good lord. <laughs> IGN gives it an A. Final Fantasy fans kind of sounds like a zero to me. This is the issue, you see. I just And I know we've talked before that we don't, even if we ever review a movie or whatever, we don't go, you know, four out of five or seven. No, because it's too subjective six. a lot of the time because you and I will, sometimes we'll agree completely or, completely, or be, you know, we'll disagree anyway. So like it's, it's arbitrary, those numbers, you know, person to person. Like, I, there's a great example here. Here's the comment I was looking for. Once again, people getting upset that a game they've never played gets a lower score than expected. What a perfect <laughs> summary of how the, the industry works in terms of how, you know, they're trying to service fans, but also, you know, because it's it's a it's a media machine, you know, these these, these review sites as well. They're looking to, like, you know, drive clicks and, uh, you know, get video reviews so that they can drive, get ad revenue. And it's just this whole machine that that so they have to be tactical in terms of how they review those AAA titles. I still feel like they've that review I felt was fair on balance. I think like they gave it eight out of ten. So like it's good, but it's not brilliant. Obviously that's not acceptable for Final Fantasy fans. Like this needs to be either perfect or you can go and die, which is basically what they're saying in the comments. So like I don't know. I feel like they I feel like what am I saying here? I think the reviews can be trusted more than the fans. That's what I'll fucking say. <laughs> Well, that's fair. That's fair. I just, yeah, I, I guess I struggled a little because I was reading the Resident Evil 3 ones and I was hearing the same language and the same vibe and the same tone as there was for the Final Fantasy 7 ones. Whereas yeah. the Resident Evil was getting much lower like scores than Final Fantasy 7. And I know 
how special people hold Final Fantasy VII in their hearts. So I know that reviewers would be somewhat hesitant to shit on that franchise. Well, I think that's what... I think game reviews are even more flawed than movie reviews. Also, I think you and I are kind of... Game reviews are not something we're as close to, so it doesn't make sense when we see scores because we feel like if certain language is used, say, for a film, we that would translate to, say, again, arbitrary, but, you know, say, like, a three to five star kind of situation, whereas here they're getting, you know, eights and nines with maybe similar kind of criticism. So I hear what you're saying. What I often find even more sort of frustrating about game reviews is that they'll give, like, this eight-bit indie developer game like 10 out of 10 amazing stuff and talk about how flawed as it is and then a triple a title where just the level of work and years put into it are extraordinary it's this lively vibrant world like an assassin's creed or like a red dead but they'll be like oh, you know look it's brilliant and it's ambitious but it's just you know it's just lacking something it's just not i'm not like that's not even apples to apples like surely that trumps the like not not to you know disavow or like not to take away from like that you know indie developer work but like, how can you put them on the same platform and use the same rubric to judge them? It's yeah, there's a disparity there that doesn't make sense. So that's why yeah. you know when you see game reviews, it's confusing. Like I'm looking at Metacritic here. Animal Crossing has 91 out of 100. That's very, very high. That means mostly perfect scores. I've played those games. They never change, but yet they get perfect scores every time they release another one. So it kind of and games are so games. I think are more genre specific even than movies. So people really like specific game types to play. So Maybe if you like Animal Crossing games, that's the one for you. If you like Final Fantasy games, this review is for you. That's maybe the lens you should be taking for these kinds of things, as opposed to it being like this umbrella review that suits absolutely everybody. That's my answer. Enough. <laughs> that's really good. And that's maybe something I should think about. It, it, it did. I, I got disheartened when I was reading those Final Fantasy VII reviews because I saw, I was like, this guy clearly doesn't like this game, but yeah. he won't say that. Which one was that? Because I'm, I'm curious to read it afterwards, actually. There was a... It, is it is it what, it's what Culture, I think it is? Oh, God. Those lads. Those bios. But he was clearly... He clearly didn't like the game. But he just wouldn't say it. And he kept saying, if you've played the original, this will be much better. And you're like, well, that's that's not okay, then. That's hmm. That means the game has failed in what it's trying to do. Yeah. Look, in review, who cares? Do you ever find yourself sitting on the couch late at night wondering... What should I watch? Aimlessly flipping through streaming services, pondering as you let your cursor settle over a title, but you just can't bring yourself to commit and push play. Well, guess what? We do that, and we made a podcast about it. Because everybody makes podcasts, but we decided to make ours about movies. I'm Kay. I'm E. And together we start a journey through cinema where we watch a movie, sit down, discuss it, debate it, test each other's knowledge of it, and then give our final seal of approval or disapproval. Yeah. So join us as we try to search the infinite web, attempting to answer the age-old question, what should we watch? Anyways, let's let's move on past this review stuff. It just, yeah, I was just thinking about it. Rob, what do you, what do you want to throw out there? Well... Probably this episode. Jokes, jokes, jokes. Listen here, buddy. <laughs> um, listen, I thought because you know we're all you know we're all isolating. We're you're lo- we're locking in. We're quarantining. So why not talk about a little bit of TV that we've been getting through over the last couple of weeks? Because I've been trying to like, I was gonna say I've been experimenting lately. Is what I was gonna say, but that sounds weird. In the lockdown, look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different- a lot anyway, of experimentation. So- <laughs> well, listen, I'm gonna talk about two shows in particular, and um, I'm not sure if you've watched either of them. Uh, one being Quiz and the other being Tales from the Loop. Are you familiar with either of these? 
I have never heard about either. Wait a second. Is Quiz the one about who wants to be a millionaire? It is. It's airing right now at the moment on ITV. Uh, For those of you who haven't watched it, it's um, the story of Major Charles Ingram and how him and his wife and this other player conspired to um, cheat on the show live. (laughs) Well, not live, but like during obviously a live recording and um, get a a million pounds for themselves and for, 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 for their house and their cars and all their good stuff. And it's it basically it's it plays uh, a lot of the episode plays kind of the before and after you know the show it's a three-part episode the three episodes sort of uh, show it's very short each one is about an hour but the first episode kind of focuses on their background kind of what they're like um how the you know how the show came to be second episode kind of focuses on the them actually participating to get the million and the third one is the aftermath in court and stuff turns out tomorrow but honestly it's just it's it's by a guy called i think Stephen fears is the guy who directed it and i think that might be the guy who did movies like Philomena and some of the others. So it's kind of got this unique kind of very quirky British style to it that really suits the show. They've got uh, Martin, or Michael Sheen as Chris Tarrant. Yes, which as Chris is Tarrant. An inspired bit of casting because apparently he used to do impressions of him and now he actually landed a gig where he has to play him seriously. <laughs> so it's really tested his chops. And he's, personally, I think he's drifting on a caricature level at times, but like really entertaining all the same. And like, like you wouldn't think it's Michael Sheen, that's for sure. Like it's amazing. But yeah, no, I, I, it, it, the show has really been made so far. I'm enjoying it just because the story is hilarious, just how it worked. But the fascinating stuff behind this is the, um, like how I'm not sure. Like we would have grown up as this became a, a phenomenon. Now, like it was just massive at the time because of the, the amount of money you could potentially win. Like when you think about other shows, even these days, like I watch a lot of t- Tipping Point, a, a lot of Tipping Point. <laughs> yeah. And that show, you might get away with two, three grand. Max, you can get away with is ten, technically twenty, but. Uh, basically impossible but you know there's a jackpot potential of, of 10 but really normally people get you know between two and three grand that's not a whole pile but you know a nice bit of earnings then you've got the chase very popular show i love the chase half the time they don't even make any money they work so hard to get all this money and then they just lose it at, at the end anyway that's In the fact, most I've, I've rarely seen them get any money on so, that show. and it so, takes yeah. an hour to get there <laughs> It takes an hour to get there, and then they just lose it anyway because the chaser is always just class. So it's like it's all the questions, right? So take those quick examples and compare it to back in the nineties, late nineties, when a million pounds is up for grabs. It gives you a sense of the impact. But out of that was born this incredible network of like pub quizzers and quiz enthusiasts who like banded together to try and rig the system for like you know the phone a friend because there's no internet. So like there would be groups that you could actually call. You could pretend they were your phone a friend, like your uncle or your cousin. You bring this team of people who are just ready with, like in the countryside in like Somerset or the Cotswolds or something in the UK, and they'd be ready with encyclopedias, dictionaries, atlases, just ready for like obscure kind of questions, like to answer, because there's no internet. They were there to like be your Google at the, like in 30 seconds. <laughs> and they called themselves, guess this, the syndicate. Oh my God. The whole time. Tom Cruise has been battling against these who wants to be a millionaire pub quiz. Well, look, that's how they made Vigilantes. <laughs> a million each, guys. Come on. It's just like your mission if you should choose to accept it. Wait, what? Am I going on a quiz show? Is this seriously what my <laughs> mission possible is? <laughs> so I saw the trailer for Quiz the other day and it looks so good. But my one problem was it that the trailer didn't say, you know, this guy walked off with a million, but there was one major problem. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I would have done anyway. So. I know, I figured. Yeah, no, I mean, if you watch it, you realize there's just this weird kind of quirkiness to it. It's kind of hard to put your finger on, but you'd know just watching it. It's like, obviously, it's a sort of a serious situation because they're in court and stuff for a lot of it or whatever. But it's a really kind of 
British comedy quirkiness that makes it very entertaining to watch. And like the cast is great. I just I'm just saying I'm enjoying it so far and highly recommend that one. Um, it looks really really good. The trailer looked excellent to be honest, and it's on ITV, mm. right? Yes, yeah, yeah. It it started I think Monday or Sunday, and like the third episode will probably be out by tomorrow or the next day. So like you know, and that's it. That's the whole run. That's it. It's like a it's like a short sort of TV special. If I can if I can get to it, I will one hundred percent check it out. Mm. So that's that one. And then like a really sharp left turn to an Amazon Prime property that um is really interesting to me. So um, I kind of discovered this in a weird way. So I heard about this show way, way back called Tales from the Loop. Didn't know much about it, so looked into it. So what it turns out is that there's this famous artist from like Sweden, or I think he's from Sweden, called Simon Stalinag. And he does these really interesting, he's got this really fascinating art style. He's an artist by trade. He also, he also produces some music. And for his sort of art collections, he writes sort of short stories to kind of give you, to, to provide a little bit of world building around how they look. And to give you a sense of what these, it's very hard to describe a painting, but it's 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 like I mean, late, it paints a thousand words. It's like exactly, it's like late eighties kind of sort of environments, like like very normal, like you know, a backyard, um, a field, a road with a police car on it. But then he's kind of blended into the background or kind of within the scene, weird sort of stylized kind of sci-fi elements, like big kind of almost Blade Runner like towers or like what would be innocuous scenes normally. But then with that extra layer of kind of sci-fi just kind of blended in. And they're really striking. Like they're really interesting to look at. I've seen this picture loads of places, but I, I haven't actually... Well, he's got I a huge th- collection of these. Huge. Like, the biggest China. The biggest collection of paintings. The best collection. So, he, he's... And, like, basically, this TV show that Amazon decided to fund just shows how much money they're making are inspired by his artwork. Like, there's no concrete story here. He just kind of has little short kind of sort of blurbs and asides and kind of backgrounds to some of the paintings, but nothing specific like no specific characters or like nothing massively in depth but they decided there, there's enough here for us to build a show around and are um, like episodes like are they actually stories within yeah. the confines of that oh yeah okay, the show is called tales from the loop and it's so interesting and like it's got a very it has shades of like ex machina from like a mystery standpoint and kind of like it's a real kind of stripped back mystery kind of sci-fi tv show um kind of less is more not a lot of said, kept very ambiguous for the first episode. I watched the first episode, but it was really liked kind of, it was slow probably for a lot of people, but I liked what they were doing. There was a lot of intrigue going on, but I just thought it was so fascinating that it was an artist's paintings, obviously. And like you, you honestly, I, I implore people to look at these because you look at them and you're really struck by how distinct as a style they look. You know, These pictures are fucking awesome. This is yeah. right up my alley. It's yeah. So it's kind of like a painterly aesthetic sci-fi twist one of them is like a tow truck but he's not towing a regular car it's towing like some sort of spaceship or something you know that kind of weird blend of like normal everyday scenes but then the sci-fi kind of subtly just kind of blended in there that kind of stuff very district nine kind of things is in real world clashing with overtly sci-fi exactly so and it's it's, so the tv show is interesting is kind of obviously they've had to build more of a universe around it but it kind of focuses on things like um they're, they're set in this sort of wintry town in like the North United States somewhere. Um, and there's this thing called the loop, which is sort of either a factory or like a machinery or a quarry site somewhere deep underground that most of the town works for. And just weird stuff kind of starts happening. Nothing that can be explained and they don't explain this. Certainly not in the first episode. Um, and you start piecing things together and like trippy at times in the sense that you're like your brain, like your brain starts to hurt trying to think about how this makes sense. 
I, um, I will definitely check that out if like that looks so up my street i can't even put i thought i great. saw that picture and i thought it was a podcast or something i thought it was just an illustration yeah, yeah, yeah. they made shows about it that sounds cool that's amazing i just thought it was i thought it was fascinating that like it was inspired just by paintings first and foremost and kind of went from there but yeah i highly recommend people that's what i've been kind of i've kind of mixed up the tv show stuff at the moment um also i watched the boys which is great just as a good tv show comic book tv show i suppose what people come for here as well but that one's super. Do you know what those pictures remind me of? Uh, Do you ever see the early concept art for like Halo? No, actually. The, it kind of looks like a lot like that with like the kind of the fields, all the kind of green normal looking fields, but then a big sci-fi like structure in the background somewhere off in the distance. But not they're not the focal point of the picture. They're just there. They're just exactly you know, yeah. in, the, in the background. Like That's what makes them so interesting. Yeah, highly recommend it. I'm honestly tempted to get like a few of these printed and framed just for my room because they just have that style that just ah oh, I just like I look at them and I go mm, look at that mm, mm. <laughs> mm, that's fine picturing mm, oh yeah look at that paint anyway well then I guess I will go for a show that I've watched recently um, I don't know if you've seen this it's also a sci-fi one but not quite as serious I guess have you heard or seen Avenue 5 Hugh Laurie yes it? Hugh Laurie yes yeah okay I haven't seen it but I, I just I know of it thoughts Tell me. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> it's from the creators of Veep, uh, Armando Inanucci, and he does like lots of kind of British shows as well uh, in the tick of it and stuff. It's Dead set in Stalin. space. It's, it's Hugh Laurie's the captain of like a space cruise ship. And obviously things go wrong. The, the very first episode is stuff going wrong and they get knocked off course. Um, the rest of the show then, each episode is just about how the situation gets progressively worse, about different characters trying to do different things. It is so surreal. The comedy is so weird. It is 100% not to everyone's tastes. But <laughs> I love this. Really love this. Did you ever see Veep? Uh, no, actually. I know. I've heard great things. From Veep, and I actually, to be fair, I've seen clips from Veep that have been like sent to me kind of here and there. And it gives it gave me real... It had shades of um, Arrested Development to me yes, a little bit. Yes, yes. So, uh, which I, I really enjoy. So, I'm on board. Sign me up, Captain. I was about to say, yeah, sign up, Scotty. But it's it's weird. It's like there's a, there's one character from if you ever watch Star Trek Voyager, one of the characters from that plays one of the characters. So there's obviously the sci-fi connection. There's ah. a few faces you'll recognize, like uh, one of the guys in the U.S. office. He's one of the guys who doesn't really do much. Really, really tall guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know his name. The guy but from Silicon guy. Valley. You keep talking there. I'll come to me. He is in Silicon Valley as well. Zach. Yeah, it's, Zach it's, something. There you go. But it's just really. <laughs> As, as I said, it's go. not to everyone's tastes. I get that. But it's so surreal and so unusual. And things happen that are like people just randomly died. And you're like, holy holy shit. In very gratuitous ways. And it's treated somewhat seriously, but not seriously. Mm. Hugh Laurie, as ever, is absolutely incredible in it. But if you can if you can get it, give it a watch. It's fairly funny. especially H- because Is it a HBO in... number, is it? Yes, it is, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll try that down. <laughs> I won't, I'm not going to tell you how. <laughs> But I'll get it. <laughs> ah, look, I'm sure you'll find a way. They're only short episodes, half an hour, so it's kind of easy. There's only nine of them. You can just absolutely breeze through them. But it's good. I would recommend it. It's got a nice little sci-fi twist as well. Mm. And again, like it's all kind of clever and internal politics. And yeah, I liked it. I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I guess moving on from that then, I'm not going to cover a TV show. I'm going to cover, because I never usually do, but I'm going to cover uh, some comics that I've been reading lately. And Rob, I sent you loads of pictures without any context before yes. this episode started. Okay, do you want me to look at them now? 
Go for it. Because you did ask, what what are these? What do I do with these? Yeah, Ross. Hey, Ross, Ross. What are these? Hang on, let me boot these up here. Wow, I should have been prepared, right? No, no, no. So basically, the first one I guess I'll talk about is something I just saw today, randomly. Didn't even know it was released. And I was like, holy shit. It's called Transformers versus the Terminator. Uh, And it's exactly as random as that sounds. So there's only one issue out so far. It's written by a guy called John Barber, who actually used to write an ongoing Transformers comic. Mm-hmm. It's pure, absolutely pure daft. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the Transformers fighting Terminators, and okay. Sarah Connor's in there. The old Linda Hamilton Terminator One era Sarah Connor. Oh, what? You, in, oh, the middle, in the middle of all that, they just go back in time to stop the Decepticons, and then often she's just there. But uh, look, have a look at those pictures there because there's some of the covers I sent on to you, and I'll, I'll put them up on Twitter so the listeners can have a gander. But uh-huh. God, they really nailed the kind of the style and the vibe and you can just tell they're all having so much fun there's one there is Starscream and he's actually a hunter killer robot from the Terminator and it just looks so goddamn awesome and you can tell whoever's writing it and whoever's drawing it are just loving it and it's so daft that it's excellent there's only one issue out it's a really quick breeze you'll, you'll get in Kindle yeah. for fairly cheap so going by yeah going by the artwork here the so the first three are the are the Transformers that you sent me and the yeah. imagery is like, it's really striking. Again, we're, we're on a podcast fucking describing pictures here. But like it, it has particularly that last one with like Optimus looking over a crouched Arnie, essentially. It's like that really cool blend of, of two iconic kind of images from the two uh, sort of properties. It's wild looking. It's, it's so got, daft. It's got a, like a neon like a it's like there's like a neon kind of effect to it. Like it's very bright, very vivid. Wow. I mean, I know nothing about the story from this, <laughs> but well, it looks cool. <laughs> I've read the first issue, and I basically know nothing about the story as well, other than just Terminators trying to stop Transformers for some well, reason. Well, as comics go, was it just a good comic in its own right? Ah, it's it's just it's such a it's such a daft read, and you're smiling the whole way through, which is literally what I needed right now. So you're like, "Yep, yeah, you know what? I am all in for this." Okay. The other one yes. is actually collected in, in a graphic novel, and it's called Spider Man Life Story by a guy called Chip Sardaski. It's excellent. I love when they do this with kind of comics because it's only six issues. It tells the story of <clears throat> Peter Parker, Spider-Man, as if it was real. So okay. he gets bitten by the spider in the 60s, and then each issue of the comic is set in a different decade. So the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. The pictures I sent to you have Spider-Man uh, web-slinging onto a Huey a helicopter from Vietnam, mm-hmm. because that's the whole crux of the issue, is that he's trying to you know wrestle with the idea of whether he should go and fight Nam or not. And then each decade has its own kind of problems and different things come up. So it's set in the 80s, 90s, whatever. It's just really good. You don't need to know too much about Spider-Man or the history or anything like that to enjoy it. It's a nice, compact, out-of-continuity story. And some of the covers, again, which I'll put up, are excellent. There's one in the 80s, which I sent to you, Rob, that is so 80s and so neon. I freaking love it. It's it's so funny because it, like... Aside from the massive Spider-Man in the picture, like even if you were to read the title of Spider-Man, like Life Story Three, it's it's at odds with what you're expecting from like a comic for like a superhero because of the colors, like that neon pink, and then the shadows. Like it's <laughs> not the most exciting title, Spider-Man Life Story Three. Oh, third about his third story about his life. Great, let's keep going along. <laughs> let's keep plugging yeah. through these life stories then. But look at that Mary Jane picture. Am I right? Am I right? Is that Mary Jane? I mean, yeah, it is, yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? Fair enough. 
I just noticed there's missiles dropping in the background as well. Is it like a helicopter and stuff? It has nothing to do with the issue, but look, who cares when it's that good? Well, that's and, the issue. But it's perfect for somebody like you to read because, you know, you're not versed too much in like a million Spider-Man comics. So or any. Perfect pick up <laughs> and just read, you know? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it looks very interesting, for sure. Um, I, the aesthetic is very cool. It reminds me of that t-shirt design that we were kind of messing around with. The, um, the one you made. The one you made the, for this podcast. The yeah, ladies yeah, yeah. and the ladies. That's <laughs> what it was. Yeah, it's very similar to that style. That was excellent, by the way. I just need to add Spider-Man to it where basically we've just created a sequel. Life and Story look, 5. Our, our first remake is going to be the late 80s and the, and the ladies. That's obviously the first I understood that reference remake. Oh my god. The 80s and the ladies. Well, you'll definitely be in your late 80s. You're just another decade. You're nearly there. Alright, listen here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was uncalled for. It's like <laughs> I'm going to read comics again and pretend I'm young. <laughs> ah, anyhoots. I will quickly say that, listen, did I tell you about the Artemis Fowl thing two weeks ago? Did I add that to the episode? You mentioned I mention it, it off... I was going to say off camera. There's no cameras here, surely. But no, well, you but go did, for it. Did you install one? That's, is that what that thing in the corner is? Did you put a camera in my room when you were last here? Oh, you oh, know you I s- did. It's in the bathroom. <laughs> so you can get everybody. <laughs> you know, I officially hit the too far button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just listen. Art was foul. I'm not sure if people read the books back today. I'm just going to really keep driving past that. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is foul. So by a beloved Irish author, uh, Owen Colfer books were hugely popular like globally i think like they were you know they're that classic kind of like sort of book for kind of early teens you know that sorry irish mythology was kind of played into this into the background of this evil boy genius who was like this villain who played against type and it was great and disney had the rights for years now and they finally made a movie directed by kenneth branagh the trailer is available and it looks appalling i, I cannot stress how bad it looks i just wanted to say i do not endorse this kenneth branagh production and I, not that I always, not that I normally do, but it looks shocking. And it's very frustrating because it's, I was so excited to see an Irish author's big, you know, big screen adaption, see some Ireland, see some history, you know, play into like, you know, the, 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 the whole world that the, that, that's baked into the stories. And they've just basically shat all over that. I made it this by the numbers, uh, Disney, throw money at it until it works kind of thing. Oh, right. Ross, I'm very some annoyed. people, some people look for their father's approval and things like that. But Kenneth Branagh just looks for yours. I, I, I would hope so. I hope so. Well, he hasn't listened to the last few, so this is that's quite distracting. But you know, basically, like they've got a big cast. They got Judy Dench and Colin Farrell, and like I just what's what's bad is that they released a trailer a few weeks ago, and then now recently they've released sort of like a feature behind the scenes of like what they all oh, all the passion and love that's going into this, and obviously they've paid own call for a bonus or something to be like. Listen, we need you to go on camera to say that you're really happy with how things are going because our previous trailer video got more dislikes than likes. So we're in trouble here unless you do something. So this is where we stand now is him kind of pandering to Disney to be like, oh, I believe in this. I think this is just what I wanted it to be. Problem is, is that they've made Artemis Fowl a good guy by the looks of things. And his dad is actually in it, even though his dad's supposed to be like a mystery in the books. Oh, man, it's a shit show. Am I still talking about this? They're going to give him money, and he's like, "Oh, no, I'm not going to take money for that." And you hear the clicking of the gun off camera, and he's like, "Boy, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Artemis Fowl is fantastic." <laughs> I just feel like it's an insult to the whole Irishness that the books kind of and the charm that they kind of had. Like it was like they went, we went underground, and like you go to like a, an old gnarly tree in like a forest in the wilds of Ireland, and that would give you this passage to like this you know underworld where all these you know mythical creatures were. Not 
getting that sense right now. I mean, being from Roscommon, that probably did happen to you quite regularly as well. Oh, I am. It's basically Alice in Wonderland is basically a real thing where I'm from in Ireland. <laughs> All the yeah, time. Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wonderland's an Irish thing. I should probably explain that. It's a theme park. <laughs> People have died there. Oh, Lord. Okay, well, that got real pretty quickly. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not joking. That's fair. Rob, I reckon that we're pretty much done. What do you think, man? We did it. We goddamn did it. God damn you, Kenneth Branagh. God damn you. <laughs> That's the name of the episode, by the way. God damn you, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> I'm after you. I'm gunning for you. Thank you so much, everybody, for sticking with us and, and listening. We hope that you're all keeping well and keeping yeah. safe. And look, you just got to stay inside and stay home and all that jazz and just kind of try and, try and keep the spirits up and... You know, keep happy and keep yourself busy and positive and all that stuff. Yeah. And also just check your bathrooms in case Ross has installed some cameras in there. That's yeah. that's just you. Just a quick PSA. <laughs> so, you know, it's fine. Um, thanks to all the Pod Nation guys for, for supporting us and helping us. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Rob, where can people find us? Oh, my. Um, <laughs> do you know why they won't find just us? just literally dropping you in this every time. I know, yeah, yeah. I always yeah. forget. <laughs> Yo, you won't find us. Fucking... Kenneth Branagh's list of recommendations, that bollocks. Anyway. That seems harsh. <laughs> I mean, it's true, to be fair. But... I did. I'm right. So the first part of that was right. Yeah, listen, you can find us all over the shop. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, um, uh, Podchaser, PodNation's list on Podchaser, uh, TuneIn, uh, Poddale. Jesus, I nearly forgot about it at that time. I was like, what's that? I was like, just trying to buy time until I remembered Poddale. Um, also, we've got Twitter, uh, which is just at CapUnderstands. Got the website as well, CapUnderstands.com. Um, you can also email us at thelads at CapUnderstands.com if you prefer that to shouting at us on Twitter or the, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's most of the outlets. That I, think you, I think you've covered enough, Rob. I'm like, how okay. long could I leave him sweating here? <laughs> Look, all that is left to say is that I have been Ross. And I have been Rob. And um, this has been... I understood that reference. Uh, thanks for listening. Fair play to you. Ah, uh, you masters, yeah. Christ, I like. <laughs> <laughs>